Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seabrook, and I'm your host. Today, I will be talking to Markus Heintel from Siemens. And we're going to talk about integrating secure elements with OPC UA security, specifically how ISO IEC TS 3016A, that is the Internet of Things generic trust anchor API for IIoT devices, can support this challenge. Hello, Marcus. How are you? Hello. Good morning. I'm fine. Thanks. Marcus, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, my name is Markus Heintel. I'm working with Siemens Technology. We are doing security for embedded systems. And one of my main projects over the last years was the standardization of the Generic Trust Anchor API, ISO TS30168, with an ISO IEC JTC1 SC41. Right. That is a, a mouthful. As you say, you've been working on the standardization of, what did you say, Generic Trust Anchor. We're going to talk about that. Uh, you're also going to explain what specifically the ISO IEC JTC1, etc., etc. is. So let's start. Maybe you explain our listeners what is a trust anchor and then specifically for IIoT devices. Yeah, when you talk about trust anchors in the standard web scenario, this is often limited to trusted certificates installed in your browser to authenticate uh, the party you are talking to. However, for uh, IoT devices, we need a bit a broader definition. For IoT devices, a trust anchor we summarize as a trust anchor security capabilities which the device needs to intrinsically trust and those security capabilities are the first one is the device should know who it is so it should be able to prove its own identity to somehow identify itself this is often done by a private key which is bound to the device and an respective certificate issued to the device as in the web in various environment second thing is is the device should be able to authenticate its peers. So this can be achieved by having trusted certificates, or you can also use like passwords and password verifiers. And the third capability is that the device should be able to ensure that it is really acting as intended. So protecting its own configuration, protecting its runtime environment, integrity checks of the runtime environment, code signing, secure boot, and stuff like that. So these are the three main capabilities, and they are protected within a trust anchor, or so-called trust anchor, and we often use hardware secure elements to realize such trust anchor functionality. Okay, very much looking forward to, especially the first two, the, the ones that you mentioned. They sound very much like as we humans do, right? Number one, knowing your own identity, but specifically knowing your partners, knowing your friends, knowing your business partners, and very much specifically looking forward to because we're in the middle of a time where you know, I say with the use of natural language processing, suddenly, if you don't see the person sitting opposite of you, you cannot be 100% sure. But that is not the specific topic of today. But that's what came to my mind. Now let's see how we're going to move on here. So why then are trust anchors relevant to OPC UA? 
Yeah, as you may know, OPC UA defines some basic security mechanisms to protect its communication. So to protect, for example, communications, the confidentiality and integrity of communication between an OPC UA client and server. And this communication protection is based on cryptographic primitives, asymmetric crypto primitives, which involves using private keys and public keys. Public keys are usually authenticated using X509 certificates and these security objects, so the private key owned by the device, public keys used by the device's peers need to be stored and protected on the device. Otherwise, the communication of two devices could be compromised. Right. Now, I, as a, as a non-security specialist, and yes, I have known the, the basics of uh, OPC UA security that you just mentioned, but I would understand that private keys need to be protected. But I wonder why do we need to protect public keys or certificates or maybe trust lists? Yeah, that's, that's actually an important question. So trusted public keys are just as important as the private keys. It's, it's not important to protect their confidentiality, so their public keys, so they can be known to everybody. However, their integrity needs to be protected. So you need to know which public key belongs to which party. And if an attacker is, is able to tamper with this information, the effect is, is quite devastating, like if he could tamper with a private key, because then he could impersonate uh, other peers, and you would no longer know whom you are talking to. Okay, yeah, I understand. So they're public, anybody can see or can use them, but it's important that at the moment you're using them, they are still as they were from the beginning and they should always be the same, at least as handed out by the uh, regional person, I assume. Yeah, and you need to know to whom they belong. So they need to be un unchanged and you need to know whose public key you are using. Okay, very good. Is it still possible then to update cryptographic objects, you know, especially we talked about trust lists uh, after the device has been deployed, you know, when these objects are tied to a secure element? Yes, that's still possible. So secure elements provide means for doing that. But however, this process, again, needs to be secure and trustworthy. So If you update, for example, a public key or you accept a new public key, you need to provide means to ensure that you're only accepting trustworthy public keys. And again, secure elements can be used to leverage this. So you, you can use secure elements in a way that they ensure that only trusted updates will be accepted. Okay. So once the security objects uh, are protected by a secure element, do we then automatically get a secure IIoT system? Yeah. Trust Anchor, as described, is one important building block for IoT, but you always need to look at the overall system security. So this needs to be embedded into an overall secure system design, considering, like as mentioned before, secure boot, runtime integrity checking, malware protection, and, and so on. And then you, you end up with more or less secure device, but you also, for an IoT system, you also need to consider system 
security aspects and uh, one standard which is often referred to cover all those uh, different levels is IEC 62443, which some of the listeners may already know from their daily work. Okay, very good. So it's only one element. You need to make sure that the complete system is secure with many other supporting elements. So how then to ensure that a, a particular secure element I see can be trusted? You know, for example, no backdoors, other security holes uh, may turn out. Yeah, so this is one job of the vendor of the component when selecting secure element. So first of all, he will probably choose a vendor of its own trust. One important aspect is that the authenticity of the secure element needs to be addressed by a secure supply chain process. There are also technical means that support this, so like device authentication. So similar to the IoT component we talked about before, there are also ways that the secure element is able to authenticate itself. So you really know that your secure element originates from a specific vendor. And yeah, selecting the right vendor from the secure element may depend on specific requirements of the project environment. There may be like regulations from public administration. There may be requirements from the end customer. Yeah, depending on that, the vendor will make its choice. And yeah, last not least and also important, a standard like ISO IEC TS30168 can also provide some guidance for the selection process, uh, especially it, it can provide a way to compare different secure elements since it defines a set of security properties and then you may check which security properties are actually needed and this may also support the selection of, of the secure element. Many security, let's say digital, I would say, uh, activities, but very interesting that you start saying with choosing a vendor you trust. And that means a vendor meaning like a company. Is that right in my understanding? Yes. Right. So that's very interesting, right? So it's, it starts almost on what is it then? Is it then on a human level? You know, you work in a company, Siemens in a certain department and the listeners, they work somewhere in a certain company and there is a set of vendors out there and they have worked with vendor A, vendor B, maybe vendor C. They were not happy with in the past. So it is this selection process of having all i would say a human trust in the capabilities of a company of persons in a company that's where you start the process is that right yes finally it boils down to that right so okay and then depending on how happy you will be with the current project in the future you will again choose the same vendor or you will choose another one okay so apart from that why is standardization with regards to trust anchor uh, important yeah as you said there are different vendors offering their secure elements and we also have many different iot applications and all those iot applications share the same challenges with respect to this trust anchor functionality and yeah if if you have a standardized interface like it is done with iso ic ts30168 it's easy to switch between secure elements uh, depending on the capabilities you need or depending on which vendor meets your requirements best. Okay. Coming to a close, why should one design an IoT device or application to support different types of secure elements? Yeah, this has already been addressed to some extent. So you, you want to avoid dependency on a single secure element or a single vendor. So you can, can switch if that is required. You may have to face 
different requirements from your operational environment, so different security levels. It's not always necessary to, to choose like the most high-end secure element. Also for, for some situations, like some basic solutions may be sufficient. We already addressed the things that there may be regulations depending on your target market. There may be requirements to use a country-specific crypto algorithms. And this may force you to, to include a different secure element depending on your target market. And one aspect which is also important is long-term security and crypto agility. So most industrial IoT systems are really long-lived and they are designed to last multiple decades. However, uh, security is not that short-lived or long-lived. Requirements change quite often. And uh, having this interface and the ability to, to switch between secure elements also simplifies your migration to later technologies and to deal with topics like crypto agility. Very good, Markus. Thank you very much. Explaining, sharing with our listeners how ISO ICTS 30168 can support integrating secure elements with uh, OPC UA security. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about OPC UA technology uh, or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or maybe you're interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. It was great to have you with us today. If you liked what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. and looking forward to have you with us again. And Marcus, thank you for having been my guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me and have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye.